Good morning, Tezayin, Sunday Tezayin Ir. Today is the day where our ancestors in the Midbar started having the Mun. The Mun started falling on the 16th of Ir. Um, I, don't, um, I don't think it was, no, it was not, was it the same? This year Pesach was, no, it was not the same day of the week as this year. Anyway, so, well, it's actually Machlekes, because we have this year Zion Sivan is Shabbos, um, and in the Gemara talks about that year, Iyar had, thir- had 30 days, we have Iyar 29 days. Anyway, um, certainly I don't think Tazayin Iyar was a Sunday. Akhaponim. So, in this week's parish, in this last week's parish, Pasha's Emmer, we read the laws about Koyhanim serving in the Beis Hamikdash, that a Koyhan is not allowed to be a Balmum, a Koyhan is not allowed to have a blemish, um, a Koyhan who serves in the Beis Hamikdash is not allowed to have a blemish. So uh, the Rebbe always encouraged us to learn in Yoni Geulah Mashiach, to learn um, halachic, or to learn in general things to do with the, the, the time of Mashiach. So there's a contemporary question, a question that's very important to discuss. Mashiach comes, we restart, the, we reinitiate the service in the Beis HaMikdash. And it's a question that never existed back in the day, and that is, does a Koyen who wears glasses, or you might say who's nearsighted, um, is, is, is a Kohen who wears glasses allowed to serve in the Beis HaMikdash? Was this an issue back then? So, oh, oh, oh. so they, they didn't have glasses, but they did have the phenomenon of being nearsighted. We'll, we'll, we'll see in a moment. So, there's a number of different issues that have to be addressed when we're talking about the Shaila, about a Kohen wearing glasses. Nowadays, obviously, wearing glasses is a very common phenomenon. I don't know the statistics, but certainly a very high percentage of the population wear glasses or contact lenses. And so it's, a, it's an interesting question that's been discussed on many platforms and many different uh, halachic journals, etc. And uh, we're going to cover a little bit of it today. So there is a tshuva from the Divri Malkiel. The Divri Malkiel was, his name was Rabbi Malkiel, Halevi Tenenbaum. He was the rav of the city of Lomja. Um, in, I believe that's in Poland, in uh, his dates are 1847 to 1910. And he was considered one of the, he was one of the prolific uh, meshivim. He wrote many responses that have become very famous. And in Hidivim Malkil, Chedagdal, Semil he was addressed, they asked him a question that uh, there was a local sheikhet who needed glasses, and um, it seems that some people were concerned that if his eyesight wasn't perfect, can we actually trust his, his shechita, that he's able to see what he's doing properly, and not just in the shechita, but also checking the animals and checking that everything's right. Can we trust this person to be a good shechit if he, um, if, he, uh, if, he, if, he needs, if he's short-sighted? And of course, th- there was a number of different sensitive issues at hand, and th- th- this wasn't a question of, can we appoint a shaykhet who's, ne- who's, who's short-sighted? There was a question of the existing shaykhet has seemed to develop this sort of short, 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 short-sightedness, and do we fire him, and then he loses his job? There's a, lot, there's a lot of sensitivities at stake over here. So, anyway, we're not, uh, within the context of that shuvah, he quotes the Tuvta Amadas, that's from Reb Shleim Kluger. Reb Shleim Kluger was also a very fo- famous uh, Polish or Galician Poysik. His dates are 1785 till 1869. 
and uh, he, so uh, he was uh, he wrote many many for him. Um, and over there, he says, you see, Rabbi Shlomo Kluge is machmed that a koyin who wears glasses is not, uh, sorry, a sheichet who wears glasses is not is, is not good to be a sheichet. So this is the question that David Malkiel is contending with, and in the context of that discussion, he says, you know. What about Kayanim in the base of Mikdash? No, in the part of the service in the temple was Karbanis that had, had to be shechted. So he says, we don't find anywhere that a Kayan who has um, weak eyesight should be considered a Balmum. Should, should be any issue mentioned. Uh, yeah, he says, if there are deformities, we'll see soon details, if there are deformities in their eyes, so then that would make them a Balmum. But just the fact that he can't see clearly, we don't find anywhere that that disqualifies the Kayan from performing the service in the temple. I, one second, so wouldn't that indicate that a Shaykhid who's nearsighted is not a problem? He says, no, because we know that a Shechit you don't even need a Kayan to do the Shechit the, the, the of a carbon. And even if you do need a Kayan, you could have a different Kayan do it. Um, and so... There's many other things that a Kohen could do in the base of Mikdash, um, even though he's nearsighted, and we could still maintain this position that shechting shouldn't be done by somebody who doesn't have 20-20 vision. Obviously, he doesn't use those words, but right. But then he concludes, however, um, it would be an issue for a Kohen to wear glasses in the base of Mikdash because of Yitur Begadim, because... Um, because there is a, the mitzvah for the Kayan to wear four garments while he's doing the service in the Beis HaMikdash, and there's a prohibition against wearing any more than those four garments. So the glasses would be considered an additional garment, and therefore anyway, a Kayan we- wearing glasses would not be good. So essentially, the Divir Malkiel, Malkiel has laid down two principles in regards to our question. Number one, he's assuming that the mere fact that the Kayan is nearsighted does not constitute a problem for his service in the temple. That's not considered a mum. And secondly, that wearing glasses in the base of Mikdash for a kohen would be prohibited under the category of yitur begodim, wearing extra garments other than the four garments prescribed by the Torah. Now, what we'll see actually is that both of these uh, um, assumptions of the Divir Malkiel are up for debate. So, Start off with the Rambam in Hilchas Kleim Mikdash Parakut Halacha Hey, where he says as follows: Kashem Sham Chusa Begadim Chayv Miso Pais Laveda. Just like some a Kohen who performs service in the temple with less than the four, four gar- garments is liable to death and it disqualifies his service. Kacha Yeser Begadim. So too a Kohen who wears extra garments. Kohen Shalavish Tei Kotonis Shnei Avnetim. For example, if he wore two of the kusainas, of the shirts of the kainim, or two belts. For that matter, if it was a, a regular kohen who wore from the eight garments of the kohen gadol, the extra ones that the high priest wears, and he did, he served the, and he did, avoda, he did service <coughs> in the Beis Amikdash in this way, he disqualifies the avoidah, and is liable to death. So this is the way the Rambam codifies the, the, the prohibition against Yitur Begadim, against wearing extra garments while doing service in the Beis HaMikdash. Um, so, what, if, after I've read to you this Rambam, what do you think? What, what comes to mind for you thinking about glasses, wearing glasses while serving in the Beis HaMikdash? The thing that came to me was like, it was like a separation 
like the glass is a separation between the Kohane and the thing that he's doing. That, that's what I thought the theme... Okay, so you're introducing a, a third, concept, third concept, which is chatzito, which is, um, is there a... Um, is the glass sort of a separation between the coin and the thing he's interacting with? That's a very valid point, and we'll get to that soon. But just reading so far the Rambam that I've read so far, what do you think about glasses? That sounds like the Rambam doesn't accept you wearing glasses. Hmm. So... Because it's an extra garment. Oh, so, you, so glasses is an extra garment, right. so that should be a problem. However... If you look closely at the Rambam, again, I'll read it again. Just like someone who, a Kayan who wears less garments is, high, is disqualifying the Avedah, so too somebody who wears extra garments. For example, he gives an example, listen to the example closely, that he wore two, shirt, two of the shirts or two of the belts of the Kayan. Or he wears the garments of the Kayan Gadol. There seems to be, uh, the way the Rambam sort of categorizes the prohibition, is that the prohibition is to wear more of priestly garments. You, instead of wearing one katonus, you're wearing two katonus. Instead of wearing just the regular Kohen garments, you're wearing the high priest garments. But he doesn't say that um, if you put on an additional garment that's not part of the four, that that should be a problem of Yutur Begadim. And so, there's a tshuva from the Nitziv, the tshuva's Meshav Davar, and the Nitziv from the Thalitzi Yehuda Berlin. Yeah, he was a, the, the, the Velazhna Rosh Hashiva. His dates are 186. 1816 till 1893, okay? So he writes in his truva over there that, in fact, there is no problem at all to wear extra clothing. He's talking about a different topic at all. He's not talking about glasses. He has another problem with the Rambam about Kriya Begadim. And he establishes that there's no problem at all for a Koyin to wear extra garments, for Yitur Begadim. There's the question that David Yehuda raised about Chitzitah, which we'll get to. But as far as Yitur Begadim is concerned, as far as wearing extra garments, um, if it's not one of the priestly type of clothing, then it's not a problem at all. And he says, that's why, for example, there's a whole discussion in the Gemara about a Koyin wearing tefillin. And the bottom line of the Gemara is that a Koyin cannot wear the hand tefillin because, and this touches a little bit on what you were saying, that there's a chatzitza, that the hand fillin would go in between his shirt and his arm, and that would constitute a chatzitza, a, a divider, in between his shirt and his arm. And the mitzvah is to wear the shirt on his body, on his flesh. So a kohen would not be allowed to wear the hand tefillin. However, the head tefillin, well, while he's doing service in the Mesa English. However, the head tefillin, which can fit n- n- nicely under the kohen's hat, so the, the head tefillin, he would be allowed to wear. And Rashi explains over there, the law of begadhu, that the tefillin is not, is not a beget. What, what does Rashi mean when he says that tefillin are not a beget, it's not a garment? It says the Nitziv, what Rashi means to say is that it's not, well, well you can't say, he says, one second, do we really mean that tefillin is not a garment? Of course tefillin is a garment. How do you know that tefillin is a garment? So he invokes the Gemara in Shabbos, which says that um, a person, we don't, uh, you shouldn't go, we shouldn't walk in the street uh, with tfil, uh, in tfilin with, Shab- uh, with tfilin on Shabbos, but if you do, you're not liable for the malacha of carrying. Why not? Why are you not liable? So the Gemara says, because it's, 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 it's a malvush. It's a garment. You don't, 
right? So you're not supposed to wear them because, for whatever reason, primarily because Shabbos, you don't wear tefillin on Shabbos, even inside the house. But you don't, you're not liable for wearing them in the street. And not only that, the Gemara says, and I've actually personally fulfilled this Gemara, yeah, that if you find even a woman, who, how, this is a good trivia question, why, what, why is it important for a woman to know how to put on tefillin? So the answer is that if you find tefillin on the street on Shabbos, you don't leave them there, you put them on, and you wear them into the house. Right now, in order to wear them, to be, it's carrying, oh, but if you're wearing them properly, according to the right position, so then that is considered, um, that is, that, that's considered wearing them. I personally had this situation where I was stranded once, it's a long story, but the, the end of the story was that I was stranded when Shabbos came in with my tefillin, and with, uh, with uh, some other valuables as well, but all the other things I just left on the side of the street, and Baruch Hashem, they were still there when we came back after Shabbos. But the tefillin, I put on the tefillin, and, uh, and we walked for a good few miles until we got back to, to where we had to go. Anyway, it's a long story, but uh, yeah. So, says the Nativ, and, and, and by the way, if you think about the, the, the garments of the Kohen Gadol, one of the gar- garments of the Kohen Gadol, for example, is the tzitz, the, the forehead plate, <coughs> which um, the Gemara in Sukkah refers to as a takshet, as a sort of a, a piece of an adornment, you might say, right? So, clearly... We, we see that things that are not a garment like a suit are considered a malbush in halacha. They are considered a garment in halacha. Tefillin are considered a, a garment. The tzitz is considered a garment. So why, do, uh, why is the kohen allowed to wear tefillin? Why, uh, uh, the head tefillin, why is it not an extra garment? Why is Rashi said lav begadu? It's not a garment. Says in the tziv, you know what lav begadu means? It doesn't mean it's not a garment. It's not a garment. It means it's not one of the garments of the kohen. And because it's not one of the garments of the kohen, that's why it doesn't constitute a yitur begadim. It doesn't constitute an extra garment to to the to, to the kohen. Now, so if we are to accept the Nitziv's understanding of the Rambam, so then glasses are not a problem at all of the yitur begadim because it's not one of the four things. However. We're going to see that um, it, it, it's not 100% clear that this is a viable pshat in the Rambam, because the Rambam continues. And I, I must say that, to me, the strongest ha'ara, the strongest sort of basis for this nativ is the, 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 the Rambam we know is very exact, and he gives an example. Going, for example, that he wore two, co- two, shir- two of the shkotoinus, or two of the belts, right? So why does Rambam give these examples? It, 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 it does clearly seem that the Rambam is intimating that it's only so. But the Rambam continues. And the Rambam says that um, so in Halachavav, this is continuing in in, in um, Miktosh Perakut. So now we're going on to Halachavav, where he says that um, for, he brings the Halacha that which we've just discussed that a kohen does not wear the hand tefillin, but if he wants to, he can wear the head tefillin. Then in Halacha, we'll skip Halacha Zayin. In Halacha Ches, he continues that. A kohen is allowed to wrap on his flesh if it's not in the place of a garment. So let's say on his hand or you know, a place that's not covered by a, gar- a garment. So there's no chatzitza, there's no interruption between the garment and his flesh. So then he is allowed to wrap... Uh, um, sorry, if he wraps something around there. So if it's small and it doesn't have three by three finger breadth, so then... It doesn't. It it it's not a it's not a problem. But if it's big enough, so it's it's, it's three by three hamburgers. That means it has some sort of its own identity. So then it is a and he uses the word chatzitza. We'll get back to that word in a moment. But to the exact word, but but chatzitza usually means that it constitutes a separation between one thing and another. So, so so that's what's so, so that's 
number one. And then he continues that if it's all based on the Gemara, says that if it was a tzilzul cotton, if it was a small tzilzul means a belt, so it doesn't have three by three. It's small, but it was something significant on its own, not a belt that you go right where around your waist. Some I'm not sure exactly what a tzilzul is, but it was something more prestigious. So then, even though it's less than three by three, it's very small, but because it's prestigious, that is also constitutes a problem for the kohen to wear it. Um, and then he continues that if a kohen has a wound, so he's allowed to put a bandage on it. So long as the, the, the band that doesn't interfere, doesn't chaitzit between his hand and the utensil. So, for example, the coin needs to hold the utensil as part of his avodah. He has to hold the knife to shech the thing. He has to hold the cup to receive the blood. So if the bandage is going to be in between his hand and the utensil, so then that would be a problem. Says the Ravid, you just contradicted yourself from Alochiches to Alochites. In Alochiches you wrote that if the coin has a bandage on his hand, if it's less than th- um, if it's less than three by three it's not a chatzitza and now you're telling me that even if it's a small bandage if it's between your hand and the utensil it is a chatzitza so what's going on again this, the, the way the rivet is reading the rambam there seems to be a contradiction is a kohen allowed to have a small little bandage that's less than three by three on his finger so in Halachiches, he seems to say, yes, that's no problem. In Halachites, he seems to be saying, no, it is a problem, because it's going to interrupt while you're holding the knife to shech the animal, or to, you're holding the cup to receive the, the, the blood. You're going to have a bandit um, separating your hand from the utensil that you're holding. So how are we to understand this Rambam? Says the Kesef Mishnah, says that Kesef Mishnah, when the Rambam in Halachiches said, said, said the word chatzitza, he doesn't mean what chatzitza usually means. Usually chatzitza means a separation. You have A, and then there's a chatzitza between A and B. That's why you roll up your sleeve when you wear tefillin, because chatzitza, the, if you wouldn't roll up your sleeve, your shirt would be a chatzitza between your tefillin and your arm. Right? Um, so, but in this context, chatzitza means something else, and the Kesef Mishnah bases this on a Rashi. We're not going to get into the details of the Rashi right now, but the, Rambam, the Kesef Mishnah basically says that we're borrowing the word chatzitza here, and the word chatzitza is a reference to Yitur Begadim, right, going back. So there's two things going on over here. There's one prohibition of chatzitza. Chatzitza is you're not allowed to have something separating between the flesh of the Kohen and his garments, and you're also not allowed to have so- something separating between your flesh and the the utensil that he's holding to do the service in the Beis HaMikdash. That's one issue of chatzitza. Then there's another issue, which is not strictly speaking chatzitza, but we borrow the word chatzitza also, which the Kesemish explains why we do that, based on the Gemara and based on Rashi. And that second um, definition of the word chatzitza in this context is that you're not allowed to have anything extra in addition to the four garments that you're wearing. And so if you would have a band-aid that's, let's say, on his left hand, so it's not interfering between his hand and anything that he's holding because he wouldn't use his left hand to hold anything. But if it is three by three, or if it's a tzil cotton, that means it's a, it, that, that, that significant thing, which is a problem, even if it is bigger than three by, if it's less than three by three, that is a quote-unquote chatzitza, not in terms of it's an interruption, a separation between his flesh and anything else. It's a chatzitza in the context that it's an extra beggar in addition to the four garments. Akupanim, what comes out from this case of Mishnah? What comes out, he lo- that he's learning not like the Nasev, he's understanding that Yitur Begadim can be even if it's his, not one of the four garments. According to the Nitziv, a bandit could never be a could never be a problem of Yitur Begadim. It could only be a problem of Chatzitza. You could, according to the Nitziv, Yitur Begadim is only if you wear a double of one of the priestly blessing uh, garments. Right. So according to the way the Nitziv is reading the Rambam, 
You can't talk about a band-aid and you have to they don't, It's not even part of the thing. But the Kesav Mishnah says, no, the Kesav Mishnah um, is, um, so the, so the Nitzvah is going to have to contend with this Kesav Mishnah and with this whole, uh, and with this whole pro- contradiction in the Rambam, which the Ravid points out to us. So, so, but, but the Kesav Mishnah holds that, uh, that it would be a, a, a problem of Yitur Begadim. Now, the, 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 the Nitziv himself addresses this, and he says that actually it seems clear from the, the way, the, the, sort of the, 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 the Nitziv sticking to, it sticks, sticks to his ground. He says, no, I disagree with the Kesav Mishnah. That's not the Pshat in the Rambam. And uh, he says that there is... A, he basically says that you that, that there would be a, a, a svara to say there would be a svara that even that's on his left hand and it's not actually interfering between anything between anything else it could still some, somehow be considered a chatzitza according to the Rambam even if it's not interfering between his hand and any specific item but. And I think that's kind of similar to what David Yehuda was suggesting, that maybe the glass of the glasses, you're sort of seeing through the glass, that provides a chatzitza. In general, there's a question in halacha which Paskim discuss. Anytime you have to see anything, when you get an aliyah to the Torah, when you go and do Kiddush Lavana, and many other examples, when there's a halachic idea of seeing something, is it okay to see it through the glass? But the, the general consensus is always, as you know, nobody takes off the glasses when they get an aliyah. So, 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 so obviously the consensus is that, that that in and of itself is not an issue. So, to summarize so far, one second, but one thing the Nitziv does have to con- uh, g- agree to is that even though he's contending that this is not Pshat in the Rambam, but in Rashi, it is clear that it would be an issue, and, and this is the Rashi that the Kesem is a little bit based off, but Rashi says explicitly in the Gemara and Zvachim, if he added any, bag- any garment whatsoever. So, to summarize the story so far, According to Rashi, it's explicit that Yitur Begadim would be even something like a bandit. So, so, um, so, so, so glasses may be an, may be an issue. Um, and even though the Natsiv, when he brings that Rashi Lav Begadu, he explains that Rashi, that the reason why it's filling are not, not a Begad, meaning to say they're not one of the four garments, so that's a good chat. But Rashi himself says explicitly Shum Begad Oilam, so it's not he's not sticking strictly to Rashi. So according to Rashi, glasses is for sure a Shaila. According to the Rambam, who so according to the Rambam, well, it depends. If you accept the Natsiv's understanding of the Rambam, glasses will not be an issue at all. If you accept the Kasaf Mishra's reading of the Rambam, then glasses may be an issue. Now, there's a number of things to discuss over here still. First of all, the size. Um, are glasses three ha- three finger breadths by three finger breadth? I think, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not sure exactly how you would measure it because obviously you have uh, the arms of the glasses, and nowadays you could even get glasses without arms. And are you, you saying like thickness? No, like three the, fingers thick. Not thick, three fingers in an area, like a, a piece of yeah, like. It doesn't make I mean, like three fingers thick. I'd say, like bottle. No, 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 no. Coke what we're saying, glasses. we're not talking about glasses. We're talking. The Rambam, the Rambam is not talking about glasses. He's talking about a garment. He's saying if you have a bandaid, it's oh. a piece of cloth, right? So if okay. it's a thin, small piece of cloth, if it's a piece of cloth that's three by three, that makes it chashuv. So the question is, what are glasses, or can you get glasses that are less than three by three? I think the answer is probably yes. 
but so, so, so as far as that's concerned, just make if the coin yeah, needs glasses, just make sure to get small glasses. But the other issue is that the Rambam says here that the tiltul cotton is a problem, even if it's less than three by three, because it's tiltul cotton. I'm, again, I'm not sure exactly what a tiltul cotton is, but the idea is that it's something. It's not just a bandit. It's something uh, sort of significant in its own right, and therefore it's a, it's a problem even if it's more than three by three. And so glasses perhaps would have the same category as a tiltul cotton. So, according to the Kassif Mishnah's understanding in the Rambam, we're really stuck here that it seems that glasses would be a Yitur Bregadim. Um, even if they're less than 3 by 3 I would say arguably it's probably no, no less prestigious than the Tiltzul cotton, right? I mean, it's something that you spend a couple hundred dollars on. And, uh, sorry? Contact. Oh, so, 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 so contacts maybe would be less of an issue. Would, would that be okay according to this? Um, very good. Um, additionally, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Rashi says, uh, the Gemara says that that, that, that tefillin are not an extra, uh, uh, not something extra. So why are tefillin not considered an extra begot, right? So, I, and we saw that the Nesiv brought the Gemara that tefillin is considered a garment as far as, for example, carrying on Shabbos is concerned. So what? So what's Takapshat? Why is a Kayan allowed to wear the head fillin? So again, according to the Nesiv, he's allowed to wear the head fillin because it's not an extra garment. It's not one of the pieces of blessings. But according to the Kess of Mishnah, why is a Kayan allowed to wear tefillin? Why taka is it not considered a begot? So I, I haven't seen this addressed explicitly, certainly not in the early sources, but I have seen in Akhrenim who suggests that the reason why tefillin are not considered a begot is because the word begot in the Torah connotes tafka something that's made out of a fabric like wool or linen and the like. So, for example, um, if a person has a four-cornered garment of leather, right, so um, certainly on a biblical level, it would not be high. But just as I forget, I don't recall offhand if it might be obligated uh, to on a rabbinic level, I'm, I'm not certain. But certainly on a biblical level, where it says you're supposed to put tzitzis on the four corners of your baget, something that is made out of leather is not considered a baget, even though the Torah... Um, uh, is aware of garments, quote-unquote, made of leather, but it's not considered a begot in, in, in halacha. So, so if the issue is that the coin is not allowed to wear an extra begot, so leather does not constitute a begot. And if that, if, that, if that is the of the reason why tefillin is not a problem, so then I think by extension we could also say that a garment made out of metal or glass or plastic, as glasses are, um, it's also not a yitur um, begot. So, again, to summarize the story so far, according to Natsiv, no problem at all. According to the Kesef Mishnah, um, contacts also would be no problem. Glasses, there's room to debate, but there's certainly a strong argument to say that it's not a Yutur Beged because it's not made of a fabric such as wool or linen. I'll finish off with one, uh, with one more point, and that is there's a Truvas Rashba, the Rashba of Shleben Ben he writes in, uh, yeah, one of the Spanish Roshonim, a Talmud of Rabbani Yonan, with the Ramban. He writes in his Shavas, he, he has a whole different shot in the Tzil Cotton. The Rambam wrote that the reason why Tzil Tzil Cotton is a is a problem, even though it's less than three by three, is because it's significant that something Choshev says the Rashba, the reason why Tzil Tzil Cotton is a problem is because it's not bottled. It's something that you leave there forever or forever, forever, but you just leave it on your body. So perhaps we could say a tiltal cotton is something that, something comparable to, uh, you know, a wedding band, right? Is a kind allowed to wear a, a, a wedding band? So you would say, look, it's not a chatzitza, it's not, um, 
it's on his left hand, let's say, so it's not interfering between his hand and then his clothing or any of the utensils he's going to hold. And it's not three by three finger breadth, but it's a tzultzul cotton. It's kosh if he's going to leave it there. So a tzultzul cotton um, would be a problem. Um, and then your, your, only, your only way out of it to be able to keep his wedding band on would be, according to the Rivad, who says that um, who says that it's only a problem if it's between his hand and the utensil. According to the Tziv, it would be a problem because it's a chatzitza. <coughs> according to the Kasimishna, it would even be considered a yutur bugadim. But according to the Rivad, it would be okay, perhaps. Um, so, so says the says the Rashba that b- the reason why the tiltal cotton is a problem is because um, you leave it, you you, you it, it stays in its place. However, it's filling. So, so why is filling not a problem? Says the Rashba. I'll tell you why filling is not a problem. Filling is not a problem because you don't leave it there. You take it off at night. You take it off when you go to sleep, and when you go into the bathroom, etc. So by for the by the Ra- by the Rashba's metric, then certainly glasses would not be an issue of Yisrael Begadim because nobody. Wears the glasses forever. You also take it off when you go to the bath, when you shower, or when you go to sleep, etc. And so, according to the Rashba, that would be another avenue to say that wearing glasses in and of themselves are not an issue of Yitzhak Okay, so that's the end of chapter one of today's class. Chapter two is Balmum, right? So, the, 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 again, going back to our Divri Malkiel, who we started with, he said that we don't find anywhere that a Koyhin's uh, weakened vision should constitute a Balmum, should make him, uh, right? So here, we're not, we're not talking about the glasses per se, we're just talking about the fact that he needs the glasses, which means that he has diminished vision. Is that, in and of itself, an issue of, that renders him a Balmum? And Divri Malkiel assumed that it is not so. Um, so, again, we've already established that the Divri Malkiel's uh, assumption that a Koyin would not be allowed to wear glasses because it's Yitra Brugodim is far from, um, far from Pashat. It's possible, certainly, a lot of room to say that a Koyin would be allowed to wear glasses vis-a-vis the, 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 the halachas of Yitra Brugodim. And now we have to see, does a Koyin who needs glasses, is he considered a Balmum? So, in the Gemara and Bechayres and in the Rambam, and the, we talk about many different mumin blemishes, we, we, and the, the Gemara and the Rambam enumerate all the different blemishes uh, um, that a Kohen, that would disqualify a Kohen. And a number of them involve different blemishes con- um, to do with the eyes. Um, so, for example, Shtein of the Lamailo, the Gemishna says, and the Gemara explains that means that his eyes are sort of located higher up toward his forehead, so he looks, you know, they, they're displaced. Shtein of the Mato, the lower, you know, all, all different types of deformities, really. Okay. Then there's another one. If somebody sees the ground floor and the top floor at once, and uh, I think the contemporary term for that is somebody who is cockeyed. Is that the correct? Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, that's that. that and, and the Rambam writes that the this is the Mishnah, but the Rambam says that this is this can be discerned that when you when 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 a pr- the person is looking at you and talking to you, it looks like he's also looking somewhere else. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's in today's language that's called cockeyed. So that would also be a mum. And then the Mishnah continues, Sachei Hashemesh. So what does Sochei Hashemesh mean? So the Rambam in his commentary to the Mishnah says that Sochei Hashemesh means somebody who despises the sun. Why does he despise the sun? Says the, Rambam sa- says the Rambam in his commentary to the Mishnah, this refers to somebody who when he wants to look at the sun or the moon or anything bright, he 
um, exerts himself and he contracts his eyelids and makes them small. And this will only happen to somebody who's, um, uh, what's it called, the black, the bavaseno, uh, the pu- sorry? Pupil. The pupil has become widened. Now, that's a little bit terse. In the Rambam, in his Mishnah Torah, he adds another few words that explains it a little bit more. And this is in Hilchus B'yas Miktosh Perekhes Halachavav. He says, again, he lists off the different women that apply to the eyes, and he says, Misha Bekabitz Rise Enov, somebody who um, closes, uh, uh, somewhat closes his um, eyelids, Ma'at, and, 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 and closes them a little bit, when he sees light, or, listen to this, when he wants to um, see something clearly, right? He squints. And again, as my, it's understood, it's a, what the Rambam seems to be describing here is something that we would describe today as somebody who is nearsighted. And, and if I'm not mistaken, until today, the understanding of people who are short-sighted, nearsighted, is also something to do with Nisrach It's something to do with a uh, the pupil being in the not in the in the in the correct shape, and that's what obscures for 2020 vision. And now we have glasses to cor- eyeglasses to correct this, which so. So the Rambam seems to be saying that, so what happens when you, for example, right now, I'm looking at the clock and I can see very clearly that it's 9.35. If I take off my glasses, I can just see a clock. I can't see what it says there. But if I squint like this and I think, I might be able to make out that it's 9.35. So the Rambam saying that somebody who squints when he wants to see to the distance and, and to, be, to see closely from the distance seems to be describing somebody who is nearsighted. And he's saying that that is included in the, that that is what the Mishnah means, that somebody who is nearsighted is a Balmum. So here we're really in a pickle. It seems to be saying that somebody who is nearsighted is a, is a Balmum. And so... I, I think the raid is, you know, I've, I've heard this for many years since I'm a young child, and this is certainly the assumption, if you look in all the halachic journals that discuss this, they all seem to say that being nearsighted is a mum. Because, he say, because nowadays most people don't squint, because Baruch Hashem, we have glasses, so you don't need to squint. But being, being nearsighted is a mum. That's the typical understanding, and what I'd like to do today is a little bit challenge that assumption. It looks like, Ruvain, it looks like you have something on your mind. Nearsighted, farsighted is when you can't. Read. Nearsighted means that you can see things that are close, but yeah. when you see to the distance, you need to you need you need the assistance of your glasses. Farsighted is the other way around that you're okay so that you could see right. far, yes. but when you're reading, that's why people have bifocals, etc. Yes. So in the base of Megdar, what does a Kohen do that requires him for farsighted to, to, to look at a distance so, to be able to see some? Good, good point. The answer is not necessarily anything, but the. Uh, you, say, you know what, say a little bit more. What, what are you getting at? Well, I just, well, he would have a disability, you know, is mm. the word we use, if he needs to be able to see something clearly at a distance, which he can't do if he's nearsighted. So that would be a disability or a blemish. Right. But the blemishes, again, there's hundreds of blemishes in the Rambam. The blemishes are not necessarily things that interfere <coughs> with his capacity, with his capability of doing anything in the base of Mikdash. If his eyes are in the wrong location or if his ears are very small or all of these type of things, they're not things that interfere with his um, uh, uh, ability to function as a Kohen. It's a halacha. The Torah says that a Kohen who has a blemish is not valid to be a Kohen. But you are onto something very important. And that is that Oh, one second, you know what, just, we'll get to that in a moment. I just want to point out that 
now we have a more fundamental question, because the question is, okay, let's even assume, for argument's sake, that somebody who is nearsighted is considered a mum, but then does wearing glasses or contact lenses, for that matter, undo the mum? Because he's still, he's still nearsighted, but right now he has glasses, so he doesn't feel nearsighted right now. So that's a question which, you know, you could debate one way or the other. Oh, you can get lens surgery. Oh, we'll get to, we'll get to the laser surgery soon. Um, also, now, when the shot comes, we'll all be, everything will be okay. Oh, we'll get to that soon, too. Very good. So, there seems to be a lot of basis to suggest <coughs> that the definition of mum, and the truth is in the Gemara, there's two different types of mum. There's something called a mum and something called that... It's not a moment, but it's any shava bizarre shalarid. I'm not sure that the difference between those th- two things is 100% relevant to this topic right now. I don't think it is. But there's a, I think that there's a strong basis to argue that the definition of mum is something that is discernible to somebody else. And I'm going um, I'm gonna share with you a number of different um, proofs for this. First of all, earlier on, in the previous parak, in B.S. Mikdash parak Zayin Alochei, the Rambam writes that um, somebody who is blind, even, and then he adds, somebody who is blind is a mum, even if there is no different, you, you, there's nothing discernible. Even though you can't look at his eyes, you don't see anything different. If he's blind, that is considered a mum. <coughs> then he says, continues, he says, Somebody who doesn't see a very a, cl- a, a clear vision, because he had some sort of, I'm not sure exactly sanveim kavurim means, but it, it means uh, he, he something some medical he has some medical episode which left his vision impaired. So over here the Rambam doesn't say even though you can't tell. So there seems to be an implication that if he's completely blind, then we say that it's a balmum even if there's no external. Um, you can't see it externally. But if his vision impaired, then it's only a, a, a mum if there's some external that you could see, you could tell that there's something wrong with his eyes. Okay, that's one possible way of reading that Rambam, but it's not, it's not unanimously accepted. I've seen Akhrenim debate exactly how to understand that Rambam, but I'm going to move on to some other, I think, proofs. First of all, we already mentioned the mum that some uh, Fakoyan is cock. Am I pronouncing that right? Cockeyed? Is that how it's said? Well, I've seen like wall-eyed people where like you, they're talking to you, but like one of the eyes is like way over here. Exactly. Like, exactly. So on. the Rambam, so the way that's listed in the Gemara, we mentioned before the Mishnah, the Brysa uh, adds a little bit more detail, and the Brysa says, it's in Bechayr's staff from Dalad and the, the, the Brysa says, um, Somebody who sees the ground floor and the upper floor at once, or that he's talking to one person and somebody else says he's looking at me. In other words, somebody who's cockeyed. Right. Now, the, the, the simple reading of the Gemara seems to be that these are two different things. One is that he sees the ground floor and the top floor at the same time. Another is that he looks at one person and the other person says he's looking at me. Now, exactly what the difference between those two things are, um, uh, one is up and down and one is right to left, maybe, I don't know. But the way the Rambam reads it, and again, I don't know if the Rambam had a different girs in the Gemara which took out the word or, 
or the Rambam is just interpreting the Gemara this way, but look how the Rambam presents this Gemara. It's in Perekhes of B.S. Miktash Halachavav. If a person's eyesight is mixed up, so that he sees the ground floor and the upper floor at once, and this would be discerned when he talks to his friend it looks like he's looking at somebody else so the Rambam understands this to be not two different things that he sees the ground floor and the upper floor at once or that he sees two different people right? rather that those are one and the same thing so there seems to be an implication again this is not a proof but there does seem to be an implication that the issue here is not the, it's not the, the, the fact that he happens to be seeing you know that his eyes are seeing. the point is that other people can again that's not necessarily the Rambam you could say that the Rambam is just telling you to discern it, but there does seem to be a little bit of an emphasis on the fact that the mum is visible to somebody else. Marty Feldman had that. If there, anybody know who Marty mm-hmm. Feldman is? Yeah, he had that wall-eyed thing. Okay. Now, I'll go to bring to you another Rambam, again going back to Perexayin Halachates, where the Rambam says that there are, he enumerates the different blemishes in the hands and the legs, and he says... Somebody who one of his if he's fractured his hand, as long only if it's discernible. If he's broken his leg, um, and again only if it's discernible. Even though he could stand straight and you wouldn't be able to tell there's anything wrong with his leg when he's standing, if it's discernible when he's walking, then this is considered a mum. So, again, there seems to be this sort of tendency towards saying the definition of mum has to be something that is discernible. Not only that, in halacha there's a concept of trefa. A trefa means a, a, a person or an animal who has a mortal wound, who's going to die from this wound. They're going to die in 12 months, it's different shit is exactly different. Yeah? Now, l'chayra, you would think, and, 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 and certainly an animal that's a trefa is not kosher for a carbon, but the, the the Mishnah says the following um, the following issues are a problem for an animal in the base of Mikdash, but they're not a problem for a person in the base of Mikdash. And one of them is Trefa. So if a Kohen has a hole in his heart and he has twenty four hours left to live, yeah, he can still serve in the base of Mikdash. Why is that not a mum? Right? If the guy if the Kohen has extra long eyebrows, it's a balmum. If he has long eyelashes, it's a balmum. But if he has a hole in his heart, it's not a mum. Why not? You can't see it. Oh! So again, there seems to be this idea that it's dependent on whether or not you could see it. And, touching a little bit on what um, Reb Bill mentioned, if you look in the Rishonim about what, what is the reason, the, the Torah tells us a mitzvah, that a balmum is not allowed to serve in the base of Mikdash. Why not? And this is a mitzvah that's... Uh, Raised a lot of you know equal rights and mm-hmm. equality. You know, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't drive so well with modern sensitivities, right? So right. So so what's the pshat in this mitzvah? So if you look in the Rishonim, and I'll read to you a couple of quotes here. First of all, I'm going to read to you from the Rambam himself in the Meira and the Guide from Chela Gimel Perak Memhei. He says as follows: um, The Torah commands to dress the Kohenim in beautiful clothing. Um, to be for, for sp- honor and splendor, and the Torah also commands that a Kohen who has a blemish should not serve, and not just a blemish such as a blind person, but even though even 
somebody who has all sorts of many other detailed blemishes as enumerated in the Talmud. And what's the reason for this? Because the average, the, 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 the average, you know, the Hamoin, the layman, the, the, the people out there, the society, they will not respect somebody because of his true value. They don't say, oh, this person is a person worthy of respect. Rather, they, the people are shallow and they respect people who um, look handsome and dress well. And so, because the idea that the Torah wants you to build a base of Mikdash is that this should be a temple, this should be a place which um, glorifies God for, to, to, um, to, to people, so if they're going to come to the base of Mikdash and they're going to find Kerenim dressed and uh, not dressed nicely and, um, and, and, and not looking nice, so then they're not going to come away with this awe and respect and admiration for the base of Mikdash. And so we make sure all the Kerenim look perfect, and we make sure they all dress to uniform exact, and we have a beautiful, um, you know, uh, show, of, uh, show of, uh, of, of the splendor, and that helps people respect the Mesa Mikdash. And perhaps in a similar vein, you have in the Sefer HaChinuch, in Parshish Emer, again in the in last week's Parsha, where it talks about the moments, Mitzvah Reisha and Haim, Mitzvah 275, uh, he says, the Mishor Shea Mitzvah, the, ba- the basis for, one of the part of the basis for the Mitzvah, most things make an impression on somebody if they value the person who made that impression, right? If you hear a message from somebody who you admire, so then you're going to admire and take to heart what they say and what they do. And a person who looks um, handsome and or looks uh, dignified and um, is good in his deeds, such a person will find favor and have influence on other people. And if he will be the, on the opposite, that he will he his, 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 he'll be deformed, so then uh, he won't uh, have such an impact on people. Most American ten- presidents tend to be over six feet. That's, that's, oh, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So Akabon and this other Rishonim also, um, the Barbanel says something similar, right? So if we go, in other words, what these Rishonim are saying, and a little bit this might address this, uh, the the question, the problem that contemporary people would have, you know, why are you why are you discriminating against the disabled? That it's not really we're not really discriminating against anybody, but we're just saying that the purpose of this is to create a. Uh, a, a, a um, an impressive operation to shallow, you know, we'll, yes, it would behoove us to be more impressed by people, what's going on in the inside than the way people dress. But, uh, you know, uh, Lahavdil, perhaps you could take uh, from uh, contemporary, we had yesterday, it's all, all over, I don't know if it's only on my feed these things come up, but uh, there was the coronation in, in England, right? Mm-hmm. So they have these very tremendous, impressive marches and all these things, right? They don't have any soldiers in wheelchairs, right? <laughs> Why not? We're not discriminating against people in wheelchairs, but that's not that we're putting on a show here, you know? So, 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 so again, not that you can necessarily pass in halacha based on the reasons that the Rishonim suggests for the mitzvahs, but again, this all does seem to weigh into the fact that it would only be a, a, a problem, that the amum is only a problem if it's discernible. And therefore, coming back to our um, uh, our halacha over here. Perhaps we could suggest that there's no that being short-sighted in and of itself is not a mum. The mum is a person who squints to be able to see to the distance, because squinting is something which doesn't look impressive. It's not uh, dignified. It's not uh, you know high manners, and so that's something which would be considered a mum. Now, 
so what we're saying perhaps is that short-sighted is not a mum because you're short-sighted. It's a mum because you've developed the habit of squinting. It's like a tick or a habit that you've developed. But that if somebody were, as most people nowadays who, who are short-sighted, who don't develop that, that habit to squint when they want to see to the distance, be either because they're trying to have better manners or because they have glasses and they have no need to, so perhaps then it's talking not a mum at all. And um, I guess a hearing. And ju- just no, oh, oh, very good. Here's, a, here's a, I was just going to mention somebody who's hard on hearing. It doesn't say anywhere that hard, someone's hard on hearing is a mum because hard on hearing doesn't affect the outward appearance. Okay, we could get into another discussion of wearing a hearing aid again. How uh, wearing it? could be as far as about wearing a hearing aid, but um, but 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 if it's not discernible on the air, so it shouldn't be a mum. So who are then? If somebody can't see properly, perhaps we could suggest that the uh, being the uh, the fact that he's short-sighted is not a mum. It's just the fact that he may have developed this issue. And so. According to what we're saying now, short-sighted in and of itself, as long as he hasn't developed the habit of squinting, is not a problem. Wearing glasses, according to many, post-skim, is not a problem at all. I would just... I- I'm wondering, there's a shiloh about wearing glasses on Shabbos in the street. Are you allowed to wear glasses on Shabbos in the street? Is it considered carrying? Now... While we could discuss the Shaila and the Paschim on both sides of that debate, I'm pretty sure it's almost universally accepted, or perhaps even universally accepted, that one may wear glasses, glasses on Shabbos in the street. Um, which means that <coughs> considering it... Okay, does that mean that we're giving it more, more value as a beged than other things, and tefillin and jewelry? I don't think so. The reason you wear t- don't wear tefillin on Shabbos is not because of carrying, per se, even though yeah, the fact. I'm just thinking: Does the fact that we do consider glasses a beggar vis-à-vis carrying on Shabbos, would that have any import over here? I don't think so, but it's certainly something to to to, to explore a little bit. Okay, just to finish off with a couple of points. So, so contact lenses certainly would seem to be no problem at all based on what we... In other words, if you accept the premise that I'm suggesting, that the being short-sighted in and of itself is not a mum, so then contact lenses, l'chayra, would not be a problem. It's not yitur begadim, it's not anything. And, um, and uh, yeah, you're not... L'chayra, it's not an issue. Um, I would think. There, what about... Um, you mentioned laser surgery. So... In other words, if you want to going back, if you don't accept my premise and you assume that squinting is a, that that being short-sighted is a mom, or alternatively for somebody who actually did develop the habit of squinting and is trying to get out of it, and now he has the laser surgery and he has no need to squint anymore, so does that help? So in halacha, in the halachas of mum, there's two t- categories of mumin. One is called a mum kavua, a mum which is a fixed mum. In other words, something that doesn't heal. And then there's a mum she'ena kavua. So somebody who has a broken arm, that's a mum she'ena kavua, because then eventually he wears, if you, as long as you take care of it properly, and you wear a cast or whatever, so then it's, it's not going to be discernible later. I'm not sure exactly if they, I think if I recall correctly, if I recall correctly, a broken arm, the question is, if you have something which halakha categorizes as a mum kavua, but then nevertheless you are able to come up with a medical method to heal it, does that count as um, a? Uh, does that 
does that constitute a remo- undoing of the mum, of the blemish? Or do we say the fact that halacha considers this a mum kavua is, is a, it mean that even if you get rid of it, it still retains, you still a bal mum. So this seems to be a little bit of a machlaikus, and Toysus, there's a Toysus where he has, uh, where, he, where he's misupik, but there's a truer from a Moshe Feinstein in Erechaim, where he quotes this Toysvis, and he says that if you look in the Maharit al-Ghazi, you'll see that he understands Toysvis to be weighing much strongly in favor of the position that even a mum kavua, if you are able to heal it, um, that does undo the mum. And there's also, I saw at Ferris Yisrael in the Mishnah B'chayrus that says one of the mummin is somebody who has very long eyebrows, but he says if he trims them to size, that would be, so even though that's a mum kavua, because you're not going to, do anything to stop your eyebrows from eyebrows from grow, growing extra long, but if you keep them trimmed and they look regular, says the first Yisrael, that would be no problem. Uh, two more short points to finish off with. One is that, like Rabbi Avram mentioned, that uh, there's the, uh, it's brought that when Mashiach comes, all the sick people will be healed. So. Uh, certainly the argument can, can, can be made that to the extent that being short-sighted is um, some sort of deformity or, or some, something which is not the ideal healthy way the body is supposed to be, so then that will also become healed when Mashiach comes, and then you can make the argument that this whole Shiloh is not relevant to Misa. Um, again, that's to be further explored exactly. Do, 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 do all shittas hold that? Does the Rambam hold of this idea that when Mashiach comes, everybody will be healed and does being uh, needing glasses is that included in being healed so that's some some ground for further exploration and finally I, I have to mention although I don't really understand exactly what's going what, what the Rebbe means by this and uh, this has been discussed people have written about this but I just want to put it out there for the Shlei Musa Indian that in Lukuti Sichus Chelek Tezvav page 200 volume 15 page 212 in footnote 9 and the footnotes on the footnotes over there the Shulei Hagilion um, the Rebbe seems to be saying that at least according to Rashi Yitzchak um, was not really blind he was just had some sort of impaired vision and be, and therefore he was Rashi's the way the Rebbe is learning the Rashi he was not considered uh, a Balmum um, I, I, it's unclear to me it, part of the difficulty with this Sikha is because it, it's clear in the Psukim that he wasn't able to discern Yaakov from Esav and he had to do all these things so that's something which is discussed again I don't know if I had exactly how to understand the Sikha but either way this is an explaining Rashi and Shutish Mikra which not necessarily doesn't have any import on Halach Lamaisa the way we Paskin where where, as we saw, the halachas of the moment on the ayin are enumerated in the Gemaras and the Rambam and the discussion that we've had. Um, thank you for joining.